thank you again for the opportunity to share with you today. Um, I've been pondering uh, some things that we were told a bit over a year ago by this gentleman up here. Um, his name was Craig Eccleston. He came and shared with us um, a bit about our suburb here, if you remember. Uh, yeah, he told us a bit about our suburb and he told us about the effectiveness of the church that we're in, uh, a Bentley Baptist church and uh, how, amongst other things, the planting of a church over at Riverton that became Riverton Baptist was part of an outreach from our, our church. And Craig gave us three things to think about. And that was, keep the message of Jesus central. Secondly, expect God to do great things. And thirdly, the church cannot be stopped. All very good things to remember as we look at the world around us and think about our part in the world. It's a great encouragement, but it's also a great challenge. And that's what I want to look at today. How can we take up that challenge? Let's pray. Father God, as we think about the message of Jesus and how we need to keep it central, how we can expect you to do great things and that you promised that the gates of hell won't prevail against your church. Help us to think about what we are, are as a group of people, what we're doing as a group and as individuals, and how we can contribute to the wonder of expanding your kingdom and making your kingdom a reality, demonstrating the reality of your kingdom right where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Aaron has been sharing about the kingdom of God and that God is bringing the reality of his kingdom, his rule and his reign in through us demonstrating the kingdom in our lives day by day. And I thought I'll have a quick look back and see how some of the classics over time have um, encouraged the Christian church over the years. And I'm going to put up a few photos that may or may not be familiar and... Uh, talk very briefly about some of these people. I'm not going all the way back 2,000 years. It would take forever. I'm just doing the last few hundred. Here's a chap you may recognise. Is that visible enough? Can you see him? Does he look like a trailblazer to you? No? His name's Isaac Watts. From the time he was a young person, he would complain to his dad, the singing in church is horrible. I don't like it. And you can understand that because at the time that he went to church, virtually all they sang were the 150 psalms that are in the book of Psalms. And his dad finally said to him, OK, I'm sick of you complaining. Do something better. So he took the opportunity and ran with it. And he became known as the father of our uh, English hymns. His name's Isaac Watts. And he wrote a whole stack of hymns to break out of that mould that was there. He blazed a trail that meant that People everywhere can contribute to worship, writing new songs. And it's a real encouragement to me to know that people in our own fellowship are writing songs and have written songs that we can sing in praise to God. So that was him, a trailblazer that made it possible for a lot of people to share their gifts in praising God. Here's a fellow who was a politician. We don't usually like politicians, do we? <laughs> no, but he was someone who recognised that people trafficking 
was not a good idea. His name was William Wilberforce and he campaigned over years and years and years to get slave trading banned in the UK and he managed to achieve it with the help of his friends, one of whom was this chap. His name was uh, um, John Newton. And John Newton himself was a slave trader. He used to run the ships and move the, tra the, the slaves around and make a big profit from them. And he lived a very unsavoury life until the Spirit of God grasped him and helped him to see the horror of slave trading. And he um, went and supported the anti-slave movement in the UK. He also became a minister and in the steps of uh, Isaac Watts started writing hymns and we still sing some of his hymns like Amazing Grace. What about a lady? Very petite little lady whose name was Amy Carmichael. Amy went out to India from the UK, originally from Ireland, and she looked around and said, how can I make a difference for the kingdom here? She was going to be a preacher or preacher's support in sharing the gospel and she saw again this horror of people uh, trafficking. In particular, young children being sold as prostitutes into the temples. And she initially said, hey, we've got to protect these kids. And she ran orphanages or homes for children. But running a home for a few children in a country as big as India doesn't change things. And so she campaigned. She campaigned relentlessly for years and years and years until the law was changed in India that forbade the trafficking of children as temple prostitutes. Here's a fellow from Germany. A German fellow moved to the UK in the post-industrial revolution era and saw kids without parents everywhere. His name was George Mueller and he started orphanages in the UK. Over his life, he supported something like 10,000 orphans. Pretty good for the uh, 18th century. And in the same time, he managed to give away about the equivalent of $3 million. And he also gave over 2 million Bibles and scripture portions as part of the ministry that God called him to. Another fellow from Germany, you might recognise this one, we're getting a bit closer to our current time. A fellow by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was a, a Lutheran pastor at the time when fascism, Nazism, Hitler were on the rise in Germany. And he had the, um, the guts to stand out against the things that were happening. Sadly, most of the established church was behind and supporting Hitler and he was prepared to go against the local church that was supporting Hitler in this way. But uh, he came to the attention of the authorities and he was uh, executed for his uh, anti-Nazi stand. Actually, extremely sad, he died by, I think, beheading one day before the war ended. You know, it's one of those ironies. But he was only 39 when he died and in the process of those 39 odd years, He'd written something like 60 books on Christian discipleship, most of which are still in print and have been translated into many languages. He was ahead of his time in many ways, and he has a message to us that comes through. And he said, the ultimate test 
of a moral society is the kind of world it leaves to its children. And that's very uh, telling on us. What sort of world are we leaving for our children? You recognise that fella? And he died a few years ago. John Stott, he was recognised as a pastor to pastors around the world. He gave his life, his work and his uh, resources to founding a fellowship called the Langham Partnership. And the Langham Partnership sent out resources, training and a whole lot of other things to Christians in the developing countries where these resources were few. He wrote uh, over 50 books and uh, was recognised by Time magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in 2005. Another lady, another quiet achiever. Anyone recognise her? No? Her name is Elizabeth Elliot. She's the wife of a missionary, um, um, I'll think of his name in a minute, Jim Elliot, who was trying to reach out to the Orca Indians in Ecuador. And the Orca Indians killed him. And uh, Elizabeth Elliot, along with one of her, her friends, Rachel Saint, whose husband had also been killed by the Orca Indians, showed friendship, love and forgiveness to the Orcas and led the whole tribe to the Lord. Quiet Achiever, if you want to read her story, it's in a book called Through Gates of Splendour. You must recognise this one. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr., American Baptist minister who stood up for the rights of black Americans was ultimately assassinated for his persistence in seeking fairness and equality for black Americans. King stands out in a protest movement by refusing to be violent. His whole protest movement would not stoop to the methods of those who were opposing equality of black Americans. He eventually had a speech that we all recall the first few words of, I have a dream. And that's become recognised as one of the finest speeches in American history, uh, American oratory history. Well, all these believers had some things in common. They had a sense of building God's kingdom. They wanted to show the reality of God's kingdom where they were. And they had persistence, simple persistence of hanging in there, not giving up, because they knew the church could not be stopped. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about the great things that these people do and have been done by past Christians, I feel a bit overwhelmed. You know, I'm not a Martin Luther King Jr. I'm not an Isaac Watts. I can't write nice hymns. Um, I don't have those sort of skills. It's okay for people like um, maybe Aaron Bradfield, who's a great preacher and has a fantastic counselling ministry. You know, you can see week by week that Aaron's making an impact for the kingdom. What about Brad Lewis? Someone who's imaginative, innovative, great musician, sporty. But what about an ordinary person like me? I don't seem to have any of those gifts and talents. Well, Jesus tells us that we are to shine. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, 
They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may, may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Fairly strong challenge there from Jesus. How can we shine? How can we make the reality of the kingdom apparent in our everyday lives? The Apostle Paul reminds us in his letter to the Corinthians, God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Our challenge is to recognize that it's not me. It's God in us. He's given us his spirit and we need to be attentive to his spirit and allow his spirit to bring forth in us the things that are going to advance the kingdom. Okay, so how do we do this as ordinary people? There's some fairly simple things with our ordinary resources that we can use to shine the gospel, the kingdom, into other people's lives. The first one is to bless, bless others. Look for opportunities to simply bless others. God spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you so that you can keep all these good things to yourself and not share them with anyone. I don't think so. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you that all nations will be blessed. And it's the same principle in us. God blesses us, not so we can hang on to the blessing, but that we can share it with others. And to bless simply means to encourage or make people happy or alleviate distress. How can we bless them? Listen to them. People are desperate for having somebody listen to them. Simple acts of kindness, do a good turn for someone. Small gifts, large gifts, whatever you feel led to give. Express a heart of love for others. Secondly, to shine, eat. Now, I like eating. I think most people do. And I take the example from Jesus who would eat with anyone who invited him. In fact, he actually invited himself on at least one occasion when he said to Zacchaeus, hey, come down, I'm going to your place for lunch. And Zacchaeus came down and took Jesus into his house and they had fellowship together. Eating is one of the things that we all enjoy and it gives an opportunity to break down barriers, to share, to uh, just open ourselves up to others and open them to us. Try sharing a cup of coffee and a few bickies with your neighbours. Maybe invite people for a barbecue one evening. And if your neighbour or work colleagues invite you, go out, engage with them. Eating's basic and phys to, to all people, physical need of all people, and is a time of significant interaction. The writer to the Hebrews said, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Bonus on the side. 
you never know, you might be hosting an angel party. Paul reminds us in Romans again to practice hospitality. We don't get it right all the time. We're not always good at these things. Some people, sure, have a wonderful gift of being able to make people feel at ease. But others need to work on it to develop those skills. Listen to people, learn from them. Who's this person? Who? It's an actress by the name of Patricia Rutledge and she uh, had a series on uh, television called Keeping Up Appearances. Her name in the show was Hyacinth Bucket but in order to keep up appearances she preferred to be called Hyacinth Bouquet because she didn't like the ordinary name Bucket and she's somebody who really did need to work on her hospitality skills. In this little movie clip she's invited the next door neighbour in The next-door neighbour knows how fussy and particular Hyacinth is and we'll see how Hyacinth and the neighbour react and interact in this little clip. I'm not suggesting you do what Hyacinth does, but perhaps learn from her as how not to show hospitality. Is that going to run? talk of Violet many times. She's my sister with the Mercedes sauna and room for a pony. (laughs) You must bring Emmett. (laughs) We shall have a superlative summer evening. Caviar, champagne, quail's eggs, smoked salmon parcels, nothing too formal. (laughs) Just something tasteful with hand-engraved cut glass finger bowls. Emmett will be able to come, Hyacinth. Hmm? Oh, he will when he knows I'll be there. (laughs) Well, I'm not even certain I can get word to him. You see, he's rehearsing all day at the church hall. Oh, don't worry about that, dear. We'll catch him there. (laughs) Well, I I don't know that that's a fright. I could help Emmett drill his cast. It'd be nice for him to have someone to lean on. I'm sorry. How did that get in there? Unfortunately. <laughs> okay. I think you get the idea that rather than making, making her next-door neighbour feel happy and comfortable at home, she was actually causing her to get more and more tense and nervous and worried about whatever she was going to do. Practice hospitality. A good challenge for all of us.
Bless, eat, listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God in us and his desire is to glorify Jesus and to encourage Jesus to be known in our community. So when interacting with others, it's essential to listen to him so that we avoid the sort of traps that maybe Hyacinth Bucket fell into. Take time to listen to the Spirit, talk with God. The earlier in the day, the better, because we'll remember the guidance rather than last thing at night, you'll sleep on it and miss it in the morning. And if you're anything like me, a notebook is useful to keep track of what the Spirit might be saying to you. We'll start to expect great things from God. The Spirit will guide and help us avoid two important traps that we can fall into. Firstly, is the fear of being rejected. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to have friends round. My house doesn't look good enough. I haven't got a nice tea set. There's a fear that we will be looking stupid or fear of maybe even being asked questions that we don't know the answers to. And secondly, the Spirit of God will work in us to stop us making excuses. We all have that capacity to make up reasons for not getting involved with people in our community. It's time to listen to the Holy Spirit and see what he is asking us to do. Just by way of personal example, there was a, a young couple had come to one of the churches I was at and I thought I ought to go and say good day to them. All I knew was that they were living temporarily in a caravan park. And I thought, I'll go down there, you know, I'll go down, yes Lord, I will, I'll go down, but how will I find them? Don't worry. So I walked in to the caravan park and they both were coming from opposite directions and met me at the entrance of the park. You know, God overcomes those sort of problems. Secondly, they said, come and eat with us. Well, I just had lunch, so yes, I'll come and have a cup of tea. So sitting down, chatting with them generally, talking about their plans and futures, and just before I got up to leave, one of them said, you know, if you hadn't come today, we would not have gone to church again. So you must listen to the Spirit, respond to him, and be an encouragement. Learn from Jesus. Learn from the way he related and interacted to people. He identified with the needs of people. The woman of Samaria for acceptance and belonging. Zacchaeus, again, for friendship and acceptance. The man paralyzed and let down through the roof by his friend. He recognized there that need for forgiveness and wholeness. Jesus identified with them, saw their need, fellowshiped with them and blessed them and in many cases, brought salvation to them there and then. Take time to learn from Jesus. Soak yourselves in the Gospels. That's where we'll see Jesus most, and, uh, and most clearly. Other books in the New Testament are good for inspiration, but the Gospel are where we see Jesus. And we'll be able to keep that message of Jesus central. Well, does that... Where's my slide gone? <laughs> Oops. Can we have the last one up again, please? Um,
Okay. What I was going to say was, does that ring a bell? Bless, eat, listen, and learn. B-E-L-L. -L. It's a good way of remembering the challenges of sharing the gospel. The effects of this on you and me, as we seek to bless others, will come to be seen as people who are generous, hospital, hospitable, and kind people. We'll increasingly become more Christ-like, spirit-led people as we listen to him and obey him and seek to share the gospel. And we'll also realise that we are using the light that God's given us. We'll be letting our light shine and making an impact for the kingdom. We'll also realise that the church can't be stopped and I'm not going to be one who stops it or seeks to stop it. It's great having the example of Jesus, having the example of him challenging us to shine and it's great to know that we don't have to do the sort of things that we saw some of the historical people doing. Sure, there'll be people who come to the fore, but every one of us, right where we are, can bring the reality of God's kingdom to our little part of the community. God might do great things through us. We can expect that and hope that. But in the meantime, let's continue to bless others, eat with them, listen to the Spirit of God, and learn from Jesus day by day. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we can expect great things from you. You've proven yourself faithful again and again. Thank you that the church cannot be stopped. Please help us to keep the message of Jesus central and be people who bless others and eat with others. Keep us listening to your spirit and learning from Jesus and may our lives raise questions from our friends and neighbours and may we have the joy appointing others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.